Iowa State is kind of a little bit sneaky good. This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bay. We're brought to you today by Prize Picks, America's number one daily fantasy sports game. My name is Cam Stewart. You might know me from ESPN Central Texas, weekdays 12 to 2, or on the China Spring Cougar broadcast, or formerly of Inside the Bears, the, the late Inside the Bears, or maybe you know me from Locked On Baylor. Anyway, I appreciate you making it to, to your first listen today and every day. You're only home for only Baylor Bears every single weekday. And then a little bit more on the weekends because I like freaking out after the football games. And I like you guys joining in on that conversation. Today, we're looking at this week's opponent, the Iowa State Cyclones. And this is not that I think you guys thought it was easy, but it's a lot less easy than it looked three weeks ago. Um, this is a team that is hot right now. Uh, before, After the UCF win, which is what, October 1st was the day after that, I would have saw this game, and I probably did somewhere on the podcast, and circled it and said, Iowa State at home, homecoming, Matt Campbell's on the hot seat. He's done. This team's done. They can't move the football. They just lost by 30 to Oklahoma. Baylor might stink, but they're going to win that game, and they're going to win the next week against Houston. And now those are two total toss-ups. Total toss-ups. Can Baylor win this game? Yes, they can. But the more I look into Iowa State, the better they look to me. They, they, they jump off the page a little bit. And they statistically are just an elite defensive team, um, especially within the last few weeks. But the thing that has struck me is how their offense is coming together. Obviously, that has been like pulling teeth the last two years since, since Brock Purdy graduated. Um, they went with Hunter Deckers last year. It was at best okay, at times downright bad last year. They go four and eight. This year, Hunter Deckers, right before the season, um, is not playing with the gambling issues. Um, and so it's gone to Rocco Becht, who is a redshirt freshman, I think, maybe just a sophomore. He, he played a little bit last year, so he might just be a sophomore. Um, and he comes in, and it takes him a while to get his feet wet, but he has certainly come along the last few weeks. And just watching him play last time out against Cincinnati, a team that they were just beat again, a, a pretty bad defense, especially in the secondary. But Rocco Becht looked really comfortable. The guy's got the guy has some swagger about him. He really does. He is not a mobile quarterback in the sense that he is going to get out of the pocket. Not really going to do that very much. Um, doesn't have a huge arm on him. Uh, but will complete more passes than not, which is something that you really value as someone who's just stepping in as a young backup. I mean, look at what Sawyer Robertson did for Baylor early in the season. He he hadn't quite gotten there yet. So it's, it's of remarkable value uh, of a backup in his first few games to, to actually be completing passes. I know that seems silly, but to have a completion percentage over 60% is big. And, and this year, he is right at 60% passing, a little over 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, five picks. Not bad at all. Um, I think you, if you gave that to an Iowa State fan before the season, they will take that. And I thought about that. I thought about that profile. And I've seen Rocco play a few times this year. 
And I thought, hmm, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. I can't quite put my finger on it, but that sounds like another Iowa State quarterback. So I look back, and the first season starting in 2018 for Brock Purdy, 66% completion. This is in 10 games, by the way. Rocco is about to play his seventh full game, um, or eighth. Eighth. He's played seven. Yes. Six. So for Brock, 66%, 2,250 yards, 16 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and they were eight and four that year. So I know that's what's going to fit this offense well. That sounds a lot like Brock Purdy to me. And it wasn't always glitz and glam at times for Brock Purdy um, in both in 18 and in 19. Steady throughout, but there was questions about his identity as the quarterback. You know, his his um, yards per attempt dropped significantly after his freshman year to his sophomore year by about three yards an attempt, which is a lot. Um, and he kind of became this dink and dunk, pea shooter type of an arm. But by golly, did it work? <laughs> it worked big time for Iowa State. They had some of their best teams ever. He's their best quarterback ever. He is now one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, at least for now, doing that same thing. So I don't think Iowa State fans are really, oh, gee shucks. Rocco Beck doesn't have a big arm. The way it seems to be like around here, to be honest with you, um, I still hear Charlie Brewer used as if he's a curse word. Uh, people forgetting the first three years he had at Baylor. And there are some who are still saying that about Blake Shapin. You know, he doesn't have a big arm. He can't throw it more than 10 yards down the field, which I had just never understood the fascination with that. Um, growing up as a huge Tom Brady fan, I heard that a ton of like, well, Andrew Luck throws it 15, 20 yards down the field every time. Who cares? He throws picks. He doesn't throw as many touchdowns. He doesn't complete as many passes. His team doesn't win as many games. Why would I care how he does it? And I think the Iowa State fans are already that way with Brock Purdy, and so it's ho-hum when it comes to Rocco Beck to have, I mean, okay, Hunter Deckers throws it farther. Literally, who cares? Rocco Beck, his offense scores more, and they're winning games. This is a hot team right now. And the other thing that helps out Rocco Beck quite a bit is the same thing that has helped Iowa State quarterbacks for years now. He's got NFL talent at receiver which they have done a sneaky, pretty good job at both receiver and at tight end. Obviously, Charlie Kohler was a big one for years um, on just real top end, big 12 talent in those rooms and weapons that will help out um, their quarterback. Obviously, um, uh, Xavier Hutchinson was the big one last year, uh, but he's gone. And so now they've got two um, that are really lighting it up. And these are guys that win on the outside, something that Baylor has not had. And in their offense, so Baylor fans aren't necessarily used to um, in their offensive scheme. But for Iowa State, Jalen Noel has been big, but Jaden Higgins has been bigger. He's coming off his biggest game of the year, actually, against Cincinnati. Six catches for 172. I mean, he is doing it any way possible. He's also big, and they're both uh, big in special teams as well. Um, Noel has 34 catches this year, a little over 300 yards. So not nothing that's just absolutely jumping off the page at you, but Baylor would love to have a guy to step up and have these kind of numbers. And Iowa State has two of them. With a quarterback that is still inexperienced, that is just such a big lift. And Rocco Beck is more than capable of taking care of the football. Even, you know, five picks in seven games this year, 
those have gone down. He has made better decisions every game. And I've, I've watched a good bit of Iowa State, actually, for whatever reason. This year, I have watched um, a good bit of Iowa State, and they are just getting better by the week. This is a danger team, and they're coming off a bye week. And this offense is truly, truly something that has just got what I mean, I say the team gets better every week. This offense has been the most noticeable part of it. And I'm going to talk about the defense, which actually might be getting even better. Um, I know this is not music to Baylor fans' ears. We're going to talk about that in just a minute after today's sponsor. Because today's first sponsor is LinkedIn Talent Solutions, one of my absolute favorites because I'm always looking for jobs. And there are times in my life now where I can look for people to take jobs for me. And every new hire can feel like high stakes wager when you're a small business or you're working independently. That's a big, big deal. So LinkedIn jobs is the easiest and fastest way to take the stress out of that hiring process. You add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're out there hiring. They use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you don't have to be sifting through all the crap. You're looking for the people who are qualified for this job and you can prioritize those people. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs can help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to. I already said that and I'm hitting on this again. They're doing it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-L-L-E-G-E to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Looking at things defensively for both of these teams, first off with Iowa State, this is a unit that has really been having fun <laughs> the last couple of weeks because it was not kind of the typical smash mouth, low scoring. I mean, Iowa State, for as up and down as they've been under Matt Campbell, obviously some of the, the biggest ups of their um, program's history, but even in the downs, they have always had a good defense. And last year was no was no exception to that. And they were not a good football team, uh, mainly on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense really did like bring the boomstick. They kept them in games. Um, and this was not the case early on this season, uh, but it is certainly um, turned around in that case. I mean, the last two weeks. So I gave up 50 to Oklahoma on... Uh, September 30th, and that was kind of the game for us as fans to say, okay, Oklahoma's got a good offense. This was not necessarily an indictment on the Iowa State defense, but it was like, okay, Dylan Gabriel's better this year. Like, he's he's for real this year. Um, but on the flip side, you were like, Iowa State's not a very good team, right? They're just not. They're, they're, they're not. Um, they're just, it's going to be another 4-8. and eight. Um, Matt Campbell was, of course, on the hot seat at this point. They had lost earlier in the year to Ohio. Now that one was only 10 to seven, but still it was like, what is the direction of this program? Are they back in the basement? Matt Campbell has absolutely rallied the troops and said that is not the case. And so since giving up 50 to Oklahoma in the last two games, they're coming off a of bye week. So not the last two weeks, but the last two games, they are two and oh, um, and they have given up a total of 24 points. Now 24, that's kind of the magic number in college football and in this conference and with this Baylor team, if you're scoring 24 for the most part against a team that's kind of evenly matched, if you're scoring 24 points, you're in a good spot. 
and they've allowed 24 combined the last two weeks. In fact, they outscored their, let's do the math here, 57 to 24 over the last two weeks. And let's put this even in more context, okay? So Iowa State comes off a 30-point loss in Norman, and then they get TCU at home, and, you know, it was still kind of, don't know exactly what TCU is, but you thought they were a good football team at that point. And Iowa State doesn't really even let them in that game. 27 to 14 flatters TCU a little bit. And then the next week, they go on the road to Cincinnati and just pound the Bearcats, just curb stomp them. They were down seven to three and did not look back. They went 30 to 10 and just dominate them in every phase of that game. Um, this, this team's pretty good uh, right now, anyway. They're, they're hot. And you, I mean, you can't. It's tough to deny that when you're com- when you're facing a team that does not play well at home and are ready for a letdown the way we saw after Tex- the Texas Tech game after the UCF victory. Iowa State is coming in with a ton of confidence and they don't care where they're playing. They're 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 going to bring their A game and I fully expect that on Saturday and one of the big reasons why is a guy like TJ Tampa this corner who is going to be one of the top corners taken in the draft this year. Um, he's PFF has him as one of the best cover corners in the nation right now. And they knew that coming in. Uh, he leads the team in past deflections or past defenses, excuse me, and interceptions as well. So not only is he putting guys on an Island, but he will still make plays out there too. So <laughs> Keytron Jackson, buckle up. <laughs> TJ Tampa is coming at you because at the other end, I talked about Iowa state's offense in in the open, they might have a field day with this Baylor defense because the more I look at the stats and the more I kind of get farther away from that win on Saturday, the worse the Baylor defense looks to me. Uh, I didn't think they had, at no point that I think they had a stellar game against Cincinnati, but, you know, coming off the victory, I was like, okay, this is, this was fine today. You know, they're not a good football team, so they're not going to hold teams under 20 points very often, but this was fine. And then I look at the numbers and it's not fine. It is not fine. They gave up about seven yards a rush. They gave up 312 yards on the ground. And they won the turnover battle defensively because of a fumbled snap on fourth down. So this was not a glimmering performance from this Bayward defense. And of course, like I kind of already mentioned there, it starts in the run game. They're the worst run defense in the conference and one of the worst in the nation. Um, and that did not get hampered against Cincinnati. I think the benefit, a rare benefit that Baylor has not had the benefit of all year was they played most of that game with a lead. And I don't know that Cincinnati was able to kind of pound the rock the, the way they wanted to, but um, they, they did not. I mean, they they got their yards, 312 yards. I mean, if you don't have that special teams turnover and it's, I think that was 17 to seven. Am I right in that? No, that's not right. 10 to seven, 10 to seven. If it was still at 10 to seven rather than 17 to seven, seven seconds later, um, that's that's really a different ball game. I mean, not only just the fact that you won by three points, but the way that, Cincinnati can get into more of a balanced offense that they prefer that could have really tipped the game on its head, but it didn't and Baylor won the game. So it is still something they need to focus on this week. Dave said it after the, after the game, he actually said, I was, I was disappointed. I thought we had figured this out. Um, clearly things were uh, beneficial in the passing game. They got a lot better. They did not defensively. And 
that is something that is going to play into Iowa State's hands a little bit because, I mean, I'll give Cincinnati some credit. They they are a good rushing team. They're not good at very many things. They are good at keeping the ball on the ground. In terms of Iowa State, they are not an explosive rushing team. Of course, they're better than Baylor. Uh, they average 117 yards a game, which is two yards a game better than Baylor does, but that's 11th in the conference. Baylor's 13th, by the way, and comfortably ahead of 14th BYU. Oof, that's terrible, man. BYU is bad in that. But they're pretty good. But but um, Iowa State is nothing to write home about either. Sorry, I was really taken aback looking at the stats here at how bad BYU is. Now, again, Baylor against the run, worse than the conference. Just a hair under 200 yards a game. Helped out a lot by um, that, that performance against Cincinnati. Iowa State. A lot better. Only 130 yards a game, fifth in the conference. But actually where they're really good is in their pass defense, Iowa State. Um, they are the uh, number one pass defense in the conference, average, keeping opponents less than 200 yards passing per game. They also lead in um, in interceptions as well. And so they don't get after the quarterback. They're one of the last, one of the worst teams in sacks. So they don't have like this electric pass rush or anything, but... Um, they'll give you time back there. They'll get some coverage sacks and they'll make some plays down the field uh, defensively. And so I do love that Blake Shapin has made great decisions um, since coming back. He actually has not thrown a pick, if I'm not mistaken. He has not thrown a pick since he's come back into the lineup and he has been a good decision maker this season. And so I, I, I still like Blake when he has time to throw back there, but this is the best pass defense he's faced all year um and actually ucf is pretty good in that department too but uh iowa state is is a good deal better in terms of um forcing forcing the issue 12 interceptions which is tied for the most in the conference uh ucf by example has seven less even though they keep passers also under 200 yards so that's the biggest test for me in terms of baylor's offense and of course baylor's defense is just stopping the run it, it that's going to be the biggest test every week until they do it um, they, they somehow found a way to win. Um, they got off the field on third down last time, which is something that Iowa state struggles with offensively. They actually have a worse third down percentage than Baylor does only about 31% of the time are they converting and Baylor's at 38%. So, um, for as good as some of these outside receivers are, it, it's been a struggle on third down this year for the Cyclones, but, um, they've had no problem getting into the end zone the last few weeks. And like I talked about with that defense, they don't need to get in the end zone too much. So uh, something needs to give from the Baylor side of things. They need to keep that passing game in there. And in fact, there was someone that Dave Aranda more or less alluded to in yesterday's press conference might just be the X factor in Saturday's game. But first I have to talk to you about America's number one daily fantasy sports game. And a proud sponsor of today's video, and that is Prize Picks. I've talked to you about it. It is the most fun I've ever had in terms of playing daily fantasy. I don't love doing the, the drawn-out fantasy. I always do it poorly. I don't draft well. Someone gets hurt. So I do daily fantasy games, and with that, it was a little confusing, but Prize Picks made it actually super, super easy. They, they made it easy to understand, and they do quick withdrawals, 
easy gameplay, enormous selection of all these players and stat types, but some that's that are just easy money. I mean, I'm routinely winning money on this every week, which is not something I do as a gambler, as you can probably tell from hearing my expertise every day. But prize picks makes it easy for me. And they do these weekly promotions with some payouts, like like Taco Tuesday is today's. Okay. So each Tuesday, prize pick di- prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to give you even more value on this. And again, my favorite part, because you're not going to find this everywhere else, anywhere else, is the prize picks reboot policy. So your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets hurt. So for those college football games, those NFL games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and just doesn't return, that player's rebooted. And prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that kind of injury insurance. So it's my favorite one to go to. There's a reason why it's the number one daily fantasy sports game in America. You go to prizepicks.com slash lockedoncollege and use the code lockedoncollege for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com slash lockedoncollege with the code lockedoncollege. Prizepicks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Looking back at Baylor and who can make the difference in this game Saturday, I'll give you a hint. It was the guy who made the difference in the game last Saturday. Keytron Jackson finally kind of starting to wake up a little bit. And part of that is getting to work with the starting quarterback a little bit more, who has, you heard on the show yesterday, has a ton of confidence in him, saying, Keytron, no matter what, I'm going to you on this play. Which based on their offensive success this year, I don't necessarily love to hear, but it worked. (laughs) It worked on Saturday, so I do love to hear it. And he's just trying to be that alpha. Like I know, And and Blake is helping him out with that, saying, Keytron, you're my guy. You are our guy. You're our outside receiver. You are our ex. You're the guy we brought in here for a reason out of Arkansas. We need you to be him. And as Dave Aranda said in yesterday's press conference, it's finally starting to be him a little bit. Appreciate that. I'm. I'm. Um, I, I am proud of Keytron and a lot of those one-on-one catches that he had. I think that um, you know there is there is a lot of confidence right now with him walking around. So that's really cool to see. You know, I think Keytron's been a guy that is that guy, and um, you know, on the inside, he doesn't think he's that guy. And so for him to have some success on the field is. Um, you know, I think for some of us, we need to be told that we're that guy. And so I think all of that is a cool thing. Uh, and I feel good about that moving forward. I just love hearing that. The confidence. That's what a receiver needs. A receiver needs to be a little bit of a prima donna. Like, that. that's that's what you need. And apparently, Keytron was not like that, which is great around the locker room and when you're doing interviews with him and you're, or you're his parents. But in terms of the alpha, we need to get that out of him. And it sounds like Dave was saying that that is something they have been working on. And it's it's great to see. Uh, he basically he said, you know, sometimes you need to be told that that you're him. And obviously the coaches were telling him that. And maybe most importantly, his quarterback was telling him that. Hey, I'm coming to you. We're going deep and we're going to get it to Keytron. And it's going to be a completion. It's going to be an explosive play. This kind of starts to bring out a little bit more, or at least for us to see what Dave has been talking about for the whole season. Oh, we're so explosive in practice. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, we finally started to see some glimpses, I should say, um, on Saturday against Cincinnati. Was it a spotless offensive performance? No. They didn't put up 40 points. They had to kick four field goals. 
all 40 plus. So, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't Bridles-esque back in the day, but it was such an improvement over the week before, over the first three quarters against UCF, and over anything you had with Sawyer Robertson at the helm early in the season. And that is where you have to start. <laughs> I talked about that yesterday of the people who are, you know, not proud of this win. You have to start somewhere. You can't be the people that are saying, you know, this team has regressed so far, they can't win any games, and then be mad when they win a game. You, you also can't be the person who says, Jeff Grimes sucks, he needs to be fired, um, Blake is nothing either, they have nothing in the receiver room, they can't move the ball, they can't put the ball in the end zone, and then be upset when they go for 32 points and Keytron Jackson goes for 150 and you say, whoa, only five catches on 11 targets. I can't with you guys. I can't. Keytron Jackson, when he is on his game, is him. And he could be a factor, not just in this week, but with Baylor going forward. If they can sustain the offensive success that they had against Cincinnati, I know Cincinnati's a bad team. I know they're a bad defense. But if they keep up that efficiency, they're going to win a few more games. And they could be pushing for a bowl game. Like, seriously. And Keytron Jackson is the big reason. And I'll give you why I think that mainly. Not only is he a dog out there when he's going, but you see it when he's not going. Look at the Tech game. Monterey Baldwin has a big second half against UCF. Tech keys in on him. He makes some nice plays. He obviously has the, the only touchdown in the game for the Bears on a big explosive play. But for a lot of the night, he was blanketed. And there wasn't space on the outside for him or Jordan neighbors on the sweep or on the screen passes. They knew all that was coming. And mainly it was because Hal Presley and Keytron Jackson were non-factors, not only that week, but the weeks leading up to that. And so now you just open up. I've been saying it about the Cowboys all season long with CD lamb. CD lamb is an excellent slot receiver, I think. And He's not winning on the outside, so that just really limits not necessarily your playbook, but what defenses are keying in on. So I know I have a lot of Cowboys fans listening that know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Monterey Baldwin is that. He's not going to be, and to be fair, unlike CD, he's not trying to play on the outside, but he's not going to be the outside X receiver, win a bad ball battle. He's not going to be that. And when he's your only threat in the passing game, you become very predictable offensively, especially in Baylor's case, when you cannot run the football. And that's what happened against Tech. They were very predictable. Um, that's why they still couldn't convert even on third and fourth and short. It wasn't necessarily the play calls, but it was how unversatile your team is. And so by having someone like Keytron Jackson out there and winning on the outside and making big plays and being able to go vertical with this offense – that just opens up something completely different for Baylor and for Jeff Grimes and for Blake Shapin. So I'm glad to hear that from Dave Aranda, that there's some confidence in Keytron Jackson now. He's got that dog in him. You can hear that. He's got that dog in him. But that means I'm going to have to wrap it up because this dog's not going to shut up any anytime soon. We are going to look more into Iowa State as the week goes on, trying to get someone from Iowa State in the notes, really trying to get Cyclone Larry, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, we have also do have some basketball to talk about this week. Uh, we're, we're previewing the season and it's, you know, only what, two and a half weeks away now. So we're going to get more into the, to the nitty gritty of what basketball is going to look like this year. Um, but first things first, Baylor still has a chance. They still have a chance to make it to that bowl game, but it starts on homecoming. It starts this weekend and it starts with having a good first quarter for the second week in a row 
against Iowa State. Let me know what you think. Do you think the Bears can win this week? What is the matchup that you're most excited about? What's the matchup you're most worried about in this game? He's not going to stop, so I got to go. Thank you for making it your first listen today and every day. This has been, and always will be, Locked on Baylor.